Chapter Eleven of Carlson, Our Little Alaskan Cousin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chad Horner from Benidorm in the province of Alicante in southeast Spain. Carlton, Our Little Alaskan Cousin by Mary F. Nixon Roulette. Chapter Eleven afternoon tea in an igloo the eskimo village was reached across the tundra and teddy and callison were much interested in the queer houses built for the long winter of six or eight months when it is impossible to do anything out of doors the igloo seems quite comfortable from the eskimo point of view but very strange to their american cousins i thought the eskimos lived in snow houses said ted as they looked at the queer little huts, and Callaghan exclaimed, "Ha! Huh? And yet, queer Indian!" No, said Mister Strong. His hut is built by digging a hole about six feet deep and standing logs up side by side around the hole. On the top of these are placed logs, which rest even with the ground. Stringers are put across these, and other logs and moss and mud drift over it leaving an opening in the middle about two feet square this is covered with a piece of walrus entrail so thin and transparent that light easily passes through it and it serves as a window the only one they have a smoke hole is cut through the roof but there is no door for the hut is entered through another room built in the same way fifteen or twenty feet distant and connected by an underground passage about two feet square with the main room the entrance room is entered through a hole in the roof from which a ladder reaches the bottom of the passage can we go into the hut asked ted i'll ask that woman cooking over there said mr strong as they went up to a woman who was cooking over a peat fire holding over the coals an old battered skillet in which she was frying fish she nodded and smiled at the boys and as eskimos are always friendly and hospitable souls told them to go right into her igloo which was close by they climbed down the ladder crawled along the narrow passage to where a skin hut before an opening and pushing it aside entered the living room here they found an old man busily engaged in carving a walrus tooth another sewing mukluks while a girl was singing a quaint lullaby to a child of two in the corner the young girl rose and putting the baby down on a pile of skins spoke to them in good english saying quietly you are welcome i am alalik may we see your wares we wish to buy said mr strong courteously you may see whether you buy or not she said with a smile which showed a mouth full of even white teeth and she spread out before them a collection of eskimo goods there were all kinds of carvings from walrus tusks grass baskets moccasins of walrus hide stone bowls and cups parkas made of reindeer skin and one superb one of bird feathers ramlikis and all manner of carved trinkets the most charming of which to ted's eyes being a tiny omiak with an eskimo in it made to be used as a breastpin this he thought for his mother and a carving of a baby for judith while his father made him an callaton happy with presents where do you learn such english asked mr strong of a lilac wondering too where she learned her pretty modest ways for eskimo women 
are commonly free and easy. I was for two years at the mission at Holy Cross, she said. There I learned much that was good. Then my mother died and I came home. She spoke simply, and Mr. Strong wondered what would be the fate of this sweet-faced girl. Did you learn to sew from the sisters? asked Ted, who had been looking at the garments she had made, in which the stitches, though made in skins and sewn with deer sinew, were as even as though done with a machine. Oh no, she said, we learn that at home. When I was no larger than six reiner there, my mother taught me to braid thread from deer and whale sinew, and we must sew very much in winter if we have anything to sell when summer comes. It is very hard to get enough to live. Since the Boston men come, our people waste the summer in idleness, so we have nothing stored for the winter's food. Hundreds die, and many sicknesses come upon us. In the village where my people lived, each house lay the dead of what the Boston men called measles, and there were not left enough living to bury the dead. Only we escaped, and a black gown came from the mission to help, and he took me and Auntie Sarlick, my brother, to the school. The rest came here, where we live very well, because there are in the summer people who buy what we make in the winter. How do you get your skins so soft? asked Ted, feeling the exquisite texture of a bag she had just finished. It was a beautiful bit of work, a tobacco pouch or tea rum ayat made of reindeer skin, decorated with beads and the soft creamy fur of the ermine in its summer hue. We scrape it a very long time and pull and rub, she said, plenty of time for patience in winter. Your hands are so small and slim. I shouldn't think you could do much with those stiff skins, said Teddy. A lilac smiled at the compliment, and a little flush crept into the clear olive of her skin. She was clean and neat, and the igloo, though close from being shut up, was neater than most of the Eskimo houses. The bowl filled with seal oil, which served as fire and light, was unlighted, and a lilac's father motioned to her and said something in Inuit, to which she smilingly replied, My father wishes you to eat with us, she said, and produced her flint bag. In this were some wads of fibrous material used for wicks. Rolling a piece of this in wood ashes, she held it between her thumb and a flint, struck her steel against the stone, and sparks flew out which lighted the fibre, so that it burst into flame. This was thrown into the bowl of oil, and she deftly began preparing tea. She served it in cups of grass, and Ted thought he had never tasted anything nicer than the cup of afternoon tea served in an igloo. A lilac, what were you singing as we came in? asked Ted. A song my mother always sang to us, she replied. It is called Ami, and is an Eskimo slumber song. Will you sing it now? asked Mr. Strong, and she smiled in assent and sang the quaint crooning lullaby of her Eskimo mother. The wind blows over the Yukon. My husband hunts the deer on the Kuyukon mountains. Ami, Ami, sleep, little one, wake not. Long since my husband departed, why does he wait in the mountains? Ahmi, Ahmi, sleep, little one, softly. Where is my own? Does he lie starving on the hillside? Why does he linger? Comes he not soon? I will seek him along the mountains. Ahmi, Ahmi, sleep, little one, sleep. The crow has come, laughing. His beak is red, his eyes glisten, the false one. Thanks for a good meal to Cusco Kala, the shaman, on the sharp mountain, 
quietly lies your husband ah me ah me sleep little one wake not twenty deer's tongues tied to the pack on his shoulders not a tongue in his mouth to call to his wife with wolves foxes and ravens are fighting for morsels tough and hard are the sinews not so the child in your bosom ah me ah me sleep little one wake not over the mountains slowly staggers the hunter two bucks thighs on his shoulders with bladders of fat between them twenty deer's tongues in his belt go gather wood old woman off flew the crow liar cheat and deceiver wake little sleeper and call to your father he brings you back fat marrow and venison fresh from the mountain tired and worn he has carved a toy of the deer's horn while he was sitting and waiting long for the deer on the hillside wake and see the crow hiding himself from the arrow wake little one wake for here is your father thanking a lilac for the quaint song sung in a sweet touching voice they all took their departure laden with purchases and delighted with their visit but you must not think this a fair sample of eskimo hut or eskimo life said mr strong to the boys these are near enough civilized to show the best side of their race but theirs must be a terrible existence here inland or on islands where no one ever comes and whose only idea of life is a constant struggle for food i think i would rather be an american remarked ted why callaton said briefly i like thlinka footnote the igloo is the eskimo house often they occupy tents during the summer but return to the huts the first cool nights end of chapter eleven recording by chad horner from ballyclare